0: Hey, hello, everybody! Welcome to Shooting the Shizat. This is Dylan Broda, and I have my wonderful co-host, the Rebel himself, Starbuck. He's on the road, busy, busy people. So much stuff going on. And he is on Skype with me right now. Starbucks,
1: where are you headed? I'm uh, actually on my way home right now. I just uh, stopped off at a gas station, pick up some gas, and I figure I'm just going to sit here instead of like driving in traffic and talking at the same time. I'll just uh, hang out on the side of the uh, on the side of the road here next to the gas station, and we'll do this this podcast.
0: So there's a lot of stuff going on in the wrestling world today. Have you been uh, following? I mean, there's just so many things happening. There's NXT, there's Raw and SmackDown and AEW, and Impact is now huge in the, in the I guess, uh, news and rumors these days. And we had even Don Callis and um, Scott DeMore on Talk is Jericho talking about the recent, uh, I guess, Anthem, the company that is their parent company, just bought. Uh, I guess it's pretty well confirmed now that they have bought Axis TV, and will be jamming Impact Wrestling on Axis TV in the in the very near future. What do you think about that?
1: Well, I think it's a good potential move. I think that uh, well, definitely Impact Wrestling needed something because they were they were dwindling. I mean, their pay per view numbers that I. St- saw last they were under ten thousand buys uh for their last i guess several pay-per-views and um that was not a good precursor i mean as an indicator uh, that was that they were spiraling down that drain um so if this is going to be that pick me up that they desperately needed the more power to them um you know the thing is that I know you, you can't wish ill upon anybody, you know, specifically in the wrestling business, I guess, like any, any of these companies, because, uh, you want the health of the product. You want, you know, the, the product itself to be healthy. Uh, you know, there, there are companies, there are bookers, there are people that do the business, uh, uh, a, a disservice through their own ineptness or their own stupidity, but, um, or belligerence. But overall, I think that, uh, impact was on the wrong channel to begin with. They were on a very obscure channel and now they needed to get on something more relevant and I guess this is it.
0: Yeah, they were on this pursuit channel which I think from its own that's also owned by that anthem group and um uh it was definitely I mean when when the announcement of their move to the Pursuit channel even though it, I guess kind of sounds like an interesting name but nobody had ever heard of this channel and that did it even exist and I guess it had like fishing shows or some kind of some kind of the these what would you call them like uh, outdoor outdoorsy shows and um definitely I think hurt them I don't think it could have done them any good I guess at least they still had some kind of TV um home but um i think Axis t v already built up their i guess pro wrestling um importance is with new japan they have the new japan pro wrestling's um i guess american t v show uh is from Axis t v and um they have also uh, women of wrestling i guess on uh, on that um axis as well so they they already have a pretty big pro wrestling, I guess, footprint. So now having Impact go on there, I I really like the in ring product that they have been displaying, and I think that the 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 um, the wrestlers that they have there are some of also some of the best in the world. I mean, everybody's kind of has their you know pick because they've got that Tessa Blanchard. You know, as we talked before, I think I think we agree she's. At least in the top three if not the top woman's wrestler in the world and um, you know a slew of other a slew of other wrestlers that are just top notch and you know they're working really hard to try to make that company still exist and it's it is one of these companies that just won't die you know and I really respect that and I remember when I kind of lost faith in WWE back in round when I guess the whole um, absorption of WCW and ECW happened, and uh, there was just seemed like you know there was nothing around. And then when finally TNA Total Nonstop Action popped on TV in Toronto, I think it was around 2001 or two or somewhere in that neighborhood, and um, they had the likes of AJ Styles and Robert Roode, and um, and uh, while well, there was Chris Sabin and PD Williams and christopher daniels frankie kazarian la, la la the list goes on and um of course then in your main event there was you know the wcw kind of rejects or people who didn't want to go to wwe like sting and that and um it was a breath of fresh air they had the six-sided ring at that point and it was really exciting and then got taken over by the wrong people i think and uh, dulled down to to that point where you just didn't want to watch it anymore. I don't, did you watch TNA much back in the day when it was first uh, airing, I guess it was in on the Nashville network, was it, or, or something like that TN TNN or whatever in, in uh, Toronto, at least.
1: I think my first um, like real look at TNA was around 2006 and 2007 when Kurt angle made his transition over from WWE, that's when I started to pay attention, and uh, I had—I remember—I was, I was visiting Canada in 2006, and I bought—I forget the name of the store—but I bought this TNA um, DVD at that time, and mm. I think it was something along the lines of like, was it like the best of the Samoa Joe Triple Threat series with uh, AJ Styles and um, Christopher Daniels? or what, I, something along those lines. At least that was on the cover. And, mm-hmm. and I wanted to take a look at this company and see what they're about and, and whatnot. And, um, but really, I, yeah, 2007 was the, was the point where I started to pay attention. And then I think that especially when Hogan and Bischoff came in and everybody was expecting that like, something major is going to happen. There's going to be a like, paradigm shift now. And it, it just didn't happen. And I, But the thing is that everybody's holding their breath, thinking that like something is, is you know, we're going to shake the foundations now because Hogan's involved and, and because Bischoff's there. And uh, I think they had a lot of good wrestling then, but there it was really weird because it seemed like, also, in, in a way, I could be wrong, but this is the impression that I got by watching the product, not from reading the dirt sheets or anything like that, but... But that I felt that uh, certain talents were being held back uh, for whatever reason that were being pushed prior to Hogan and Bischoff coming. So anyway, um, but I think that like the last time that I really like watched their television was, if I recall, it was something like around because uh, I had to actually commentate it in Finland for just a real short period. I think it was like one or two months, 2015. And it was like, that was bad. It was like in the dregs at that point that the product, the TNA product really languishing. And I guess now uh, in the last couple of years, I've been paying more attention sporadically though, because of especially Tessa Blanchard. I'm a very big fan of Tessa's work. Uh, I'm a huge fan of her father's work, uh, Tully Blanchard. I think that if I look back on my own, like influences in my own pro wrestling career, I think that Tully had a big influence on, on like my ring psychology, especially. Um, but I think that because of Tessa, uh, if she wasn't there, I don't think that I would really follow TNA all that much. I think she's the, the crooks as to why I follow to some degree impact wrestling. nowadays.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, I think that there, there are, there are people who have put a lot of faith in them at the moment. And, uh, to me it seems like it's it's an interesting idea you know where you have this world where AEW and WWE are seem to be the, the the obvious two that are kind of where the money's at and where the where the most most fans i guess um what would you call it um uh, attentions attention is at and then these these few i guess who are at the top of the game who seem to be so passionate about their company like impact or ring of honor um uh, and new japan uh, for that matter in terms of the united states that uh, they are so passionate and uh, and dedicated to creating awareness and and for people to watch uh a different alternative you know um and it's uh it's really cool i guess in that way that there's there's literally so much top-notch Pro wrestling that you can that you can find out there. I mean, there's MLW, which is, I mean, it's kind of all the same in a lot of ways. Everybody's sharing a lot of people right now, but um, there's still there's still so much content out there. In in some ways, it might even be a negative where there's maybe too much, and yeah, you know, the focus gets stolen from to like to AEW and WWE in this NXT whatever Wednesday Night War and then the impacts and ring of honors and, and whatnot get kind of thrown by the wayside or, you know, if people are going to spend their money on a, on a ticket to go see a live event, they might hold out to see AEW just because, you know, just for the, because it's the hot, hot ticket right now. And maybe they won't go and see an impact show or a ring of honor show, even though it might have a, a better card, but, um, it's definitely interesting. I mean, um, it's, it's in that way funny where you look at those early days of impact, uh, I guess TNA. And when they were trying to make an impact with their show actually called impact and, um, and all of those stars that were really the the ones that people wanted to watch on those shows, you know, like people had seen enough of sting and they had seen enough of when Hogan came there and Kurt angle that, you know, he was, he was still pretty hot and there was Christian cage, which was I guess just Christian in WWE and, and Booker T and, you know, the list goes on those, those guys, everybody had seen enough of, I think. And uh, they, I think the big mistake there was that you had all these fresh new faces that were making waves like AJ styles and, uh, even though Christopher Daniels is not a new face so much, but new for a lot of people, at least in, a, in that role. And uh, to me, you know, that was the that was the appeal, and I think for a lot of people. And when you took the um, that kind of, I guess, the tried to take the spotlight off of what people were clearly tuning in to see, um, and then you you just see who's the biggest stars in the world right now. Or a lot of those guys that came from. Uh, TNA and uh, Impact and all that, you know, these, you just look look down the list, you know, you have AJ Styles, who everybody says arguably the best wrestler in the world, um, at least was at a a point and maybe, you know, still carries that torch for a little while. You got Samoa Joe and, you know, so it's, um, it's just interesting when you see all these young talent talented guys and i think i think that impact is doing that right now they are focusing on the young talented guys and they're bringing in kind of these this old guard to to help those young guys i guess uh reach that brass ring and and all that but um i hope that it keeps going i really hope that people watch and you know if access tv came on here in finland then i'd definitely be watching that's for sure
1: Well, the thing is that uh, Rob Van Dam's wife, Katie Forbes, who wrestles for uh, W.O.W. Women of Wrestling, uh, she just came in. She just uh, debuted. And uh, if if for any reason other than Tessa Blanchard you should be watching, well, Katie's it.
0: Yeah, that's true. And uh, I think, uh, at least with their their contracts and and the way that they seem to... um, deal with the the whole money and uh and ability to wrestle wherever you want for the most part um seems to be like not a bad place to work that you you know I don't know what the numbers are like for for people there but at least it's not um uh you know they're trying to give you a lot of freedom so sound sounds like a like an alright place to work that's for sure but um but yeah I mean uh, I guess that's an ongoing thing and uh we'll see how it how it I guess plays out in in the latter part of this year It would be definitely very interesting because I think since Don Callis and Scott Moore took over, at least for me, the in-ring products got better. I think maybe the production wise, it has maybe taken a hit, but maybe that was the, that was what could take a hit. Um, but, um, you know, when they get a little bit more money or something and, uh, there's been a few pay-per-views that I've watched, and it seems as though, you know, they're using a smaller size ring, maybe a 16-foot ring or, or something, but uh, to fit in some of these smaller venues, just so they can fit in more people. And um, I don't know why. I mean, this is coming from a fan perspective, but when when there's this weird, like rinky dinky ring on, like on a pay-per-view or something like that, for some reason to me it it starts to make it look bush league, no matter how good the pro wrestling is there. you know when you have these big names and that and're wrestling in this tiny little postage stamp ring, it just looks mm. weird, you know and um and I get it. I get the in- entire reason why they would do something like that, you know um but I guess people you know they're definitely judging with their eyes before they see any. You know any actual wrestling work, so um, that production part is is actually pretty important. Uh, I've learned in this last few years, you know, and if you get your own um, style, like New Japan definitely has their own style that works for them, and of course WWE does, and it seems as though AEW has got quite a uh, WCW like style, which they're that same production. Dude from WCW, I can't remember his name, but you know the guy. um uh Yeah, that's right, Mitchell. And uh, so, the, you know, they've got their own style too. And um, I think Impact had been trying to hit too much of that sports entertainment, try to WWE copy-like look, and um, it costs too much money. And I remember Paul Heyman talking back in the day that uh, ECW, they couldn't compete in the... Um, in that like um department so they needed it to be like nitty gritty and that needed to be a selling point and you know kind of I, f- I feel as though impact is almost selling an idea with the they have got a lot of guys showing up from ecw like you mentioned rob van dam and uh, they even had the sandman on kind of passing the torch and you know matter of speaking and tommy dreamers there constantly and you know, um, Sabu, I think, might have done an appearance not too long ago, and they had a very ECW-like alumni thing, and it's a tiny bit, it's like this kind of teeter-tottering between too polished and um, and too indie, you know, to kind of need, if they're going to try that ECW route, I would want them to be, you know, a little bit more grit and a little bit more, more like, nasty, but then you you kind of, like, Tread the waters of looking like shit at the same time, or shiz at anyway.
1: Well, so. the thing is, that it's like Eric Bischoff actually just said on his eighty-three weeks podcast. Uh, it was a really good point that when he took over the reins of WCW and he got that Monday Night Nitro program uh, red hot. Um, th- what they did was that, uh, or what he did personally was he sat back and he actually did like an ana- uh, like this analysis of his options at the time. And he came down, it boiled down to like three different, uh, like selling points or like three different ways to go. And it was, you can either be better than Vince or you can be different than Vince, or you can be less than Vince. And the thing Mm -hmm. is that, uh, you like being less than is not an option. You can't, you can't, you know, choose the, Consciously go that route because then you're just going to look second rate. Um, you can't be better than because you just can't beat their production. It's it's like they are the top dog and they will be always top dogs. They have they've they've cornered the niche. All of their people are such professionals and they know their product. Uh, if there's anything that you can like, let's say um, argue about, uh, like let's say. That they could do better i guess the jerky camera angle kind of thing you know where they just pull in and out with the camera that could stop but other than yeah. that i mean there's nothing about their production that can be slighted and uh so then eric eric said that all they had as an option to go with them all they're left with is to be different than and that's what i think that everybody especially like don't try to to compete with Vince because you can't do it. It's not possible. Even AEW, not possible. Just go a different route. And same with impact. Don't try to be like second rate Bush league WWE, just mm-hmm. go other route. Uh, like the best example of this is Lucha underground.
0: Yeah, that's true. So, Definitely true. Yeah.
1: And that, and that's where like, I really think that, uh, well like all of these wrestling products i think it would be to the like to the health and the benefit of everyone involved every company involved if they all found their own angle their own little niche whatever makes them special whatever makes you stand out um somebody can be old school somebody can be new school somebody can be extreme whatever but like at least put your stamp on it make it your own and uh well, I mean, that's, that's I, I think, like with New Japan, for example, if you look at New Japan, what separates them from everybody else in fact they don't do promos. They, they don't have guys go out there like Monday Night Raw and cut a promo for the first 10 minutes of the program. What they do is they wrestle in the ring, and the stories are advanced, and the actual, like, uh, the overall booking is advanced through what happens in the individual matches, not outside in the separate segments.
0: Yeah, exactly, and I, I think New Japan Pro Wrestling is like, weird, um, quite, like, uh, how would you say, like, in in a lot of ways, a polar opposite to the sports entertainment side of WWE, where, you know, they are definitely, they are definitely, we talked about it many times, but I mean, it's it's just a, the real deal that they are setting it up like a proper sporting contest, like a, you know, it's not supposed to be a show it's supposed to be a sporting event and um you know that's i always appreciated that and that's how i prefer to consume my pro wrestling and i think AEW, from what i can tell i think that they're going to try to land in the middle and whether that works or not let's i guess remains to be seen and um but nonetheless i mean there's a bunch of other things going on in the wrestling world uh which we'll talk about coming up and there was that um we won't call it i guess a big uh pay-per-view but this clash of champions from wwe that last weekend and uh that i guess had some interesting things going on there was nxt on uh on the usa network debuting this week as well also not too long ago even triple a had their shot at madison square garden um September 15th and um the one of the biggest and I, I think CMLL is might be the oldest uh, wrestling promotion at least in Mexico I I have a feeling it is in the world but AAA is definitely the uh big uh, competitor down in Mexico one biggest in the world and um they had their shot at Madison Square Garden although they had moved the show actually cuz ticket sales weren't so great they moved the show to this hulu theater space still in madison square garden but um i guess it's a smaller more intimate venue and um but uh, apparently did a pulled off a really great show a really great uh event as well with the main event i think at the blue demon junior which uh, the blue demon i guess his uh, father had been one of the biggest ever luchadors uh in mexico and so looked like they had la park or la parka on there and uh, a whole bunch of other stuff but one interesting thing which we'll get into uh coming from the after this break just uh, really quickly is uh the little bit of trouble that cody rhodes got into while he was down in mexico wrestling i believe for triple a and he's, he took part in a um how would you call it, a post-match celebration that got under some people's skin. But before we get to that, let's have a word from our sponsors, and we'll get right back at it.
2: Hey there, my name is Michael Mudgellai, better known in the pro wrestling world as the Rebel Starbuck. I've decided to launch a brand new live-action entertainment venture called Slam Wrestling Finland, which is an on-demand service offering the best top-of-the-line professional wrestlers out of Europe today. We can custom tailor the entire show from start to finish. Girls' matches, triple threat matches, tag team matches, or then the good old one-on-one damn good wrestling match. If you've got something in mind, we'll find the right guy or girl for the job. Slam Wrestling Finland is an on-demand live service that offers you as the customer... The opportunity to choose as many matches as you would like. Contact us today at slamrest.fi or slamsports.eu.
3: Red Skull Hot Sauce. Fiery sauce focused on flavor. Made by a Canadian in Helsinki. Awesome sauce in a sweet-ass skull bottle. That's Red Skull Hot Sauce. R-E-D-D Skull Hot Sauce on Facebook and Instagram.
0: All right, everybody, this is shooting the shiz At, and we are talking about all things pro wrestling right now. And uh, we're going to get into this clash of the champions pay-per-view a little bit, as well as this NXT debut on the USA Network uh, shortly. But uh, one thing I wanted to touch on, which is quite an interesting thing, I guess, in a way, um, just shows some like where the uh, sensitivity of the world kind of lays. But um, in uh, Cody Rhodes was down in uh, AAA wrestling with, uh, I think it was, uh, I think a big match, like a four four on four or a three on three anyway. Um, and there was something uh, that they said at the end of the match that was basically um, this um, Spanish-Mexican... Uh, word i guess it goes puto and uh this team or whatever they you know yell at the other team and the whole crowd chants this puto thing and um uh it's in, in i guess everyday mexican life it's a slang word uh and very homophobic remark mark, remark for a gay person uh, i guess cody didn't really understand that that's what the word meant and uh, didn't realize he was basically calling the other team, you know, the derogatory word like bunch of fags or whatever it might be translated towards. And um, people got pretty pissed that he would say something like that. And um, they had to issue an apology statement as well. And uh, that he didn't realize what he was saying. And, you know, if he offended anybody, that wasn't the point and thought he was just taking, like, part into, um, uh, you know, in the tradition, that kind of thing, you know, so I don't know if you heard much about that, um, or what do you, what do you think about that whole kind of thing?
1: Well, the thing is that, uh, yeah, I did, med- I actually ran into that just a few days ago and I was thinking to myself, well, the thing is Cody, first of all, is kind of like he's profiled himself as a social justice warrior, you know, he's one of these millennials, <laughs> And he's gone public with like saying people that tote the, uh, tote the uh, the old Leonard Skinner flag, you know, the uh, Union Jack, that they're that they're a bunch of morons or however he put it. I forget the exact, but he basically you know painted them into a corner. Um, Mm. Then he also said that anybody that works for his company that uh, if they make any sexual overtures towards other talent, that, that that him and Brandy will be watching and all this uh of course they're pushing really hard this uh nyla rose the transgender wrestler that they have um you know and so the thing is that in, in a lot of ways cody rhodes is trying is trying to be or is very liberal and he's very how could you say like uh with the times
0: uh-huh. that,
1: of course if he chooses to go that route and to profile himself as such and he goes into a chance that he has no idea that he's actually uh, he's contradicting himself. Then, of course, he's going to have to issue an apology because otherwise, he comes across as an idiot or as a hypocrite. No, that's it. Yeah. So, but I think it's ridiculous. I think that you know people live in this this era of pussification where you can't say anything without offending somebody. And it used to be that if if one you know let's say one or two percent of your audience uh, grumble about something, you just kind of brush it off and you just continue doing it what you're doing because the vast majority uh, actually were, were completely okay with what you're doing. Nowadays, <laughs> that you have that 1% or 2% rumble and you change your entire direction. You turn around the other way because of that 1% or 2%. You forget or you totally uh, like bypass the 90-plus percent that are completely okay with what you're doing. So therefore, it's it's lopsided. Now it's turned itself on its head, and for that, and for that, for that alone, I just it just bothers me to no end how how people have become so soft and such pussies that they can't that they can't take a matter of opinion, of someone else, uh, you know, using certain language. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You heard that one, Dylan.
0: Well, I might have heard it about a thousand zillion times when I was a kid, for sure.
1: Well, that's it. So uh, for all the people out there, you know, the social justice marks, uh, you know, it's, I, I think that people have made social media much too important as, as a part of their lives. And somehow everybody thinks that they have uh, a voice on social media that, and that everybody cares about their opinion. And the truth is that very few people care about any of our opinions because unless they know us personally and they have like a direct, uh, I would just say affinity towards us as people, uh, our opinions really don't matter much jack shit. So, you know, uh, it can be an educated opinion. Sure. I mean, it's like, if I say something about pro wrestling, I'm speaking from over 25 years of experience. So therefore it's an educated opinion. So, uh, that's different. Whereas you know, a wrestling fan, just a general fan, can state their opinion. I can say that my opinion weighs more than theirs based on experience or be or based on depth. And that's kind of different. But still, at the end of the day, if they don't know who I am, my opinion is worth jack shit. Yeah. Well,
0: I mean, it's just such a. I mean, this is such a weird situation because, you know, first of all, you, the way that he was kind of jumped on here and. I think that in that way, you know, if if it kind of in a lot of ways kind of sheds the light on uh, this thing that I've been saying for a a while of this idea of these words, you know, and I've got two young kids and, you know, there's all a lot of times this, you know, bad language that floats around and, and things like that. But the way I was raised anyway, is that there's words and there's like meaning behind words. And of course you can put meaning behind words and but if somebody doesn't doesn't uh, understand what a word means then the word just doesn't mean anything you know it doesn't matter how terrible that word might be in some other language you know if if my daughter walks around saying you know the worst word in russian or something it doesn't mean anything to me so it has no weight you know and i think people people give words weight and they and they tend to these days especially if there's a word that somebody is not so keen on and they just keep giving it like you know basically like a you know you got your bench press a, you know bar there and you just keep adding adding 10 kilos to one side and 10 kilos to the other side and just keep adding and adding, adding, adding and then that word all of a sudden just means so much and has so much weight behind it and in in the beginning it was just a word and and uh you know i, I understand if people use the word in like with the mal- malice intent you know behind it there's there's a lot to be said there but um you know in a different situation that word might mean com- something completely different you know this is this is why i love stand-up comedy and you know this is maybe we can get into this on another day but it, to me stand up comedy shows that that ridiculous world of words and how you know that how it's kind of to me sheds a light on how ridiculous we uh like language and all that can be used to either against us or for us and I think this is a situation where um especially Conan uh was talking about it on his podcast and um He's, of course, one of the most famous uh, luchadors of, uh, I guess he was in the 80s and 90s and I guess mostly 90s being uh, huge down there. And he was just saying that that they actually, you know, if if they would um, put a fine on um, when like the TV or whatever, if if the crowd would say this word on like, well, they were on air, you know, the, the actual company would get a fine and so the wrestlers aren't allowed to let the crowd say this word. Kind of idea that the crowd would just say it anyway, because at least in the wrestling world, in in this AAA world, it doesn't actually mean. Uh, at least it doesn't have that meaning of, you know, the actual homosexual um, derogatory word. It's it's meaning. Uh, it's using the same word, but kind of. Um, you know, for a different purpose. And, uh, and I think he was trying to say that people are, are not understanding, you know, the use of this word and and what, what it means. And, and he gets it that if people don't actually know what that word means in the context of AAA and this, this, uh, super baby face team, you know, that if they're not into it and they don't know the whole, I guess, things surrounding the whole idea, then people are going to hear it the way they hear it. Right so it just to me yeah. it's words are just so ridiculous you know that that there's even this idea of censoring you know what people say uh especially if it's just like one word that oh that word hurts you know which because it's in, starts with the letter f and ends with the letter k and all of a sudden it's apparently supposed to hurt you somehow and it's total sticks and stones yeah. here for sure and it's unfortunate that words got to go that far you know but um I thought I was actually in the, the under this impression the last maybe ten years that uh maybe even twenty years that censorship and all that stuff was going the wayside and I thought people were really starting to get it that you know, the more and more you censor, the worse things get. And the less you censor, then people realize that there's no real you know, those words don't actually have as much weight as you once thought they did. Because I remember as a kid, and you tell me your experience too here, but whenever I was watching a movie or hearing something on TV or on the radio, and they actually beeped the word out. They put like a uh, like a beep there, or they cut the cut the audio or something like that. That word, since it wasn't there and it was so bad that they had to put... You know, a tone over top of it, so you wouldn't be able to hear it. To me, that was like so much worse than the actual. When I found out what those words actually were, it's like, oh, they don't have any impact. You know, that beep is so much more impactful. So, you know, anyway, going off on a little tangent here, but uh,
3: but that's that.
1: Well, uh, we also have the debut of NXD now on the USA Network and. Man, they started out with a bang. You know, they'd been talking about uh, Adam Cole, especially coming out on NXT television, saying that this is going to be a, the prophetic year of of, um, of the Undisputed Era, where they're going to be claiming all the gold and uh, draped in gold, whatever that, that uh, term was. And on this show, well, finally, Roderick Strong makes good the last guy. He's kind of like the Arn Anderson of the Four Horsemen. Where everybody else was a champion for a while there, and Arn was like the one without the gold. But now, finally, Roderick taking the belts, the NXT North American Championship off of the Velveteen Dream, Uh, and now all of the members of Undisputed Era are NXT champions. Uh, not counting, of course, the women's championship. But, but uh, anyway, I think it's a good move, especially starting off their their television. Um series on uh usa to uh to make to make this count in this way that uh finally the prophecy is fulfilled well good for them good for them it was not a bad match i'm not still completely sold on velveteen um i think that he's still a work in progress as pretty much is everybody you know i mean it's like terry funk once said that nobody ever really arrives um and it's true, you know. You don't. It's it's uh, life is a uh, constant progression. And uh, that said, I think that um, at least on this USA debut, there was uh, there was a lot of good, though. There, there really was. I think the one thing that blew me away, and uh, like one of the hardest matches to really master and to really like have you say to really um, get across in the right way is the Fatal Four Way, and mm-hmm. on. USA debut, they had the girls go out there, which is like, you know, a lot of times, well, um, it's hard enough for the guys, but for the girls, I think it's maybe even a bit harder uh, to to really nail that match down, but now we found they found the formula. They had four girls go out there and produce the best four-way that I've seen in ages. Like, it was punctual. It was short enough. It wasn't overdrawn. They didn't overstay their welcome. And it was Mia Yim, who I don't care for, but on this in this match, she was fine. Um, mm. against Bianca Belair, against Candace LeRae, against Io Shirai, and all these girls went out there like El Fuego, man, they were on fire. And uh, mm. at the end, I think the uh, the the finish was set up beautifully. You couldn't tell who was going to go over, and once Candace dropped mia yim and then hit this uh i guess you'd call it a springboard moonsault off the middle rope onto mia it was like one two three and man that crowd popped and that it was i think it's this is like a textbook example of how to do a four-way match
0: yeah well i mean uh from what you know from what the critics anyway are saying whether they mean much or, or anything But uh, mostly, it seems like this this came off with a bang, like you said, and there wasn't much bad going on on this show. Um, There was some people criticizing that they thought that Velveteen Dream should have retained. He should have been uh, maybe one of their primary guys who should have gone over. But then again, here you got a title change. And I think that that's what they wanted to do. Uh, They wanted something big, you know, crown a new champion. And uh, to have this whole, um, I guess, uh, undisputed era be like laced in gold. And Roderick Strong is one of my favorites, anyway, out there, uh, especially in NXT. And um, I think it was definitely a good move. And I also have heard the same kind of thing that um, Velveteen kind of, uh, he showed... And some people were saying, was it because it was a live, live on TV or something, which I mean, I guess they don't really edit much going to NXT, their uh, taped show anyway. But um, they were saying that uh, his punching was looking pretty weak and uh, I guess striking repertoire wasn't that great. And usually, um, I guess usually when he's wrestling somebody of the caliber of Roderick Strong, you probably might not notice it or maybe you Know it was, uh, it was something that you could notice it really well because how, how good Roderick Strong is there. But, um, I don't know what did you notice about uh, Velveteen's performance in terms of this like uh, uh, like striking game that he's got going? Was that where the weakness lied or or, or where was it?
1: I, I think that like it's not just that, it's it, impartial, like or partially, it is in his striking because, first of all, way too many guys. And girls are slapping their freaking leg or part of their body while they're while they're hitting blows like while they're like whether it be forearms or punches, but still, yeah. it's ridiculous. It needs to stop. Especially, you're hitting with a flat of the foot, for example, big boot to the face. They're doing this slapping noises, and it, it's it's not believable. It takes away from the wrestling itself. If you can't throw a decent punch, a decent kick, whatever, without like an added sound effect, like in the movies then you got to go back to school. You get that shit down, protect what you do. You do only the thing that you know, what you know how to do damn well. If you can't throw a damn good kick, then just don't throw kicks to begin with. Um, That's... I would say that uh, with Bell the teen, there's something about him where it's like there's a certain uncertainty about his how could you say his body language still when he's in the ring, not about his character presentation, but about him. Uh, how could you say, I'm not sure if it's like, if it's because he's wrestling for the camera and because he's not quite sure if all the time, his moves are directed towards the camera. I'm not sure if like, if he's unconsciously or subconsciously, like somehow sabotaging himself in that way. Um, I get that feeling from some talents where it's like, they're not used to wrestling for the camera, but then again, he's been on NXT TV now for over a year or how long has he been there? Like a year, two years almost. So the thing is that he's got to be already okay with that part of it. I think that there's something about his wrestling in general, where he's not regard, like depending on who's in the ring, I think that he's not, he hasn't found his own niche. Like Let's say stylistic. Uh, where he can be 100% confident in who he is, that he can do the same shit regardless of who he's in there. Like Let's say Bret Hart used to do, or Ric Flair used to do, Shawn Michaels used to do. That no matter who their opponent was, they could get away with their own shtick and their own uh, set Because they were so confident that they could do this with anybody that it, it just didn't matter who they're in the ring with. Mm-hmm. And it's always translated well because they they knew that they didn't need their opponent uh, in that way they didn't have to rely on their opponent in order to make it look good that is yeah. a lot of time. like for example I, I I've said about Rick flair uh, as an example as a great case example that he wrestled around his opponent that that uh, mm. flair he worked with a lot of real sticks in the mud in his day boy did he ever like, whether it was El Gigante or Lex Luger or, or then even, like, Mike Von Erich. But, I mean, Blair had to get in there, and sometimes he had to wrestle with these broomsticks. And he still had to produce these damn memorable good matches because he was the world champion. Uh, and when you get that shit down to that degree where you know that you can make the match uh, by knowing how to wrestle around your opponent and not having to rely on them to make your shit look good, that's when you become one of the masters or you have the potential of becoming. And I think that's where Velveteen is still lacking in that department. I think that he's not there yet. Uh, He'll, he'll probably get there one day. I mean, it's like if he's got the heart for it, but uh, I think that's the thing with Velveteen, but yeah, he needs to stop slapping his leg too.
0: Yeah. I think you're, you're right. Definitely about this leg slapping. And and, uh, it's, it's actually definitely, has become a little bit of an epidemic um, everywhere. So um, possibly, you know, it gets to that point where people realize that, you you know, you're slapping your leg for for an eye poke might not be the right thing to do. So let's hope that that goes by the wayside. But um, at least, you know, I understand that it can add some effect. But if it's literally every single thing, it definitely just kills it. But um, I mean... yeah, uh,
1: on on this NXT television debut for, it, for, for the USA Network, there was one match that, even though you might have had some of that leg slapping going on, the action was so tight, and it was actually there was a couple of them uh, where it was so tight and so in pocket and so well, like how could you say it was uh, it was snug, and that was Pete Dunn. And what was the name of his of his opponent? He's a newer guy. One second, I'm just going to look for him mm. right now. But Pete Dunn and uh, blah, 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 Shit. Well, what, what was the name of his opponent? He's he's one of the newer guys, anyway. Um, I think it's from Brazil. But, uh, mm. and he's uh, like a former uh, Mark. Arturo Ruas. Yeah, yeah, Arturo hey. Ruas, whatever, yeah. And man, were they ever, I mean, this, it wasn't your traditional wrestling match. It was like a hybrid match, but they were beating the living shiz out of each other, at least seemed to be. And that's where uh, like the, the magic of pro wrestling was prevalent in this match as a case example of how things should be. And uh, the other match that was very similar, uh, like with the intensity, especially, was uh, Leo Rush against Only Larkin.
0: Oh, uh, yeah.
1: Uh, Leo has gone back to being a wrestler in NXT. He's, he's he was dumped from the main roster. He's no longer with Bobby Lashley, and that's fine because I think Leo needs to be a wrestler, not a mouthpiece. Uh, now he's back to being a babyface, which I guess I'm inexplicably. I mean, they just you know they you recast them on a on a different show, and all of a sudden you're a good guy, whereas he used to be a bad guy on the other show. Okay, whatever. But this Oni Lorcan man, this Oni beat the living tar out of uh leo in, in the beginning and his like his his offense was just off the charts nasty looking shiz at and i loved mm-hmm. it i love yeah. it not you know i don't know if it's because of the usa debut because it's live on tv or what the hell whatever it was but man they were tuned up and that's where it's like bill watts used to face snug that shit up and it's mm-hmm. like I agree it's like you know when, when 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 I have guys and girls wrestle for for slam wrestling I, I say the same thing I want the action to be tight and snug I want it to be believable so when you go in there like don't don't bastardize the product right and uh that's this is the kind of action that I want to see, honestly
0: yeah well that's it and I think that that's what uh, uh at least I want to see out of NXT for sure and um I really hope that that sticks around and uh, doesn't go as well. One of those things that kind of gets swallowed up if they don't have time because they need to do an in-ring promo or something like that. But um, but also talking about this NXT and, um, and uh, AEW where this Wednesday night war, there's a lot of people who don't believe that there's any kind of war happening there that... Uh, They're two completely different products and shows. And even uh, one of the biggest AEW superstars um, had a thing to say, Kenny Omega. I don't know. Did you hear about his uh, little comments that uh, he gave in this interview when asked about uh, what does he think about this Wednesday Night War situation? And uh, to sum it up, basically, he said that, um, you know, those... Those are a bunch of his friends, so how could you go to war with your friends? And then on the other hand, uh, these if there was no borders and it was just one big promotion, uh, he would be in the main event, as in Kenny Omega, and those guys in NXT would be in the dark match or the opening match of the card, uh, as well as AEW is full of uh, real pro wrestling superstars, whereas and they are not developmental uh, talent so kind of really giving a dig at uh, NXT you know kind of being known as this developmental uh, I guess talent pool for the main roster which if you watch the interview and actually watch you know how he's saying everything it's obvious that he's um, you know he's he's doing his gimmick and I think he's he's, he's he knows that it's going to stir something up and uh, immediately he got the attention of uh uh Dominic uh uh what Dajakovic. how do you pronounce this Dajakovic the last name. Um but uh and uh Dajakovic says, um, hey Kenny, remember when my match with Keith Lee embarrassed yours on the PWG Homecoming Weekend at Battle of Los Angeles two thousand seven? Tune in this Wednesday on NXT TV on USA at eight PM. So two developmental guys can show a real star how it's done again. And, uh, you know, definitely this kind of Twitter battles and wars and things like that, I think are uh, in, in the good way heating up because it kind of gives this, you know, extra layer to these things that are going on. If you, if you care to dig and I I think that it's all, you know, it's all uh, a nice little work business thing going on there, which I appreciate. And, and whatnot, and you know, a few things, a few things here and there on the internet going back and forth. But um, some people were giving Kenny Omega shit for for saying kind of such um, arrogant comments, and then other people were were uh, praising it. So I don't know where do you where do you fall in that? Do you think that's a cool thing to do, or do you think something kind of falls under that? Seth Rollins talking about you know, let's compare bank accounts with Will Ospreay kind of deal?
1: I think it's petty. I, I think it's... Well, the thing is, I think it's juvenile to begin with because the thing is, you come across as a as a teenager like that doesn't know their place and uh, needs to be put in their place. So I think that if you're confident in what you do, the thing is that you don't have to, like, basically shit-talk anybody. There are people that I could shit-talk, I mean, if I wanted to, and it's just... I even actually... When I wrote my book, Battleground Valhalla, all of my, my autobiography, uh, and it was, came out in 2017, I had some people, you know, some friends that I know, and they know some of the shit that's gone down over the years. And, and one of them said this, that, um, you know, it, I was taken aback or I was surprised by the fact that you could have really, like, laced into some people and really, like, done a number on them in your book. And you chose not to. You, like, you just didn't go and, and name names. You didn't go and you didn't deface them. And then, and, and like, like, let's say shame them or whatever. Uh-huh. And I said, well, why do I need to do that? Cause it's like, once, once you play that game, it's like, you're going down to their level. So like, why bother? Um, yes. and, you know, you got to remain above that. You know, you have to, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Ozzy Osbourne putting out an album. And it's like, you know, to be honest, Ozzy hasn't done really much anything in the past, fa- like since no more tears, he hasn't put out anything like notable, uh, as, as a complete album. But then again, you don't see Ozzy going online and defending himself or on television interviews or radio interviews, defending himself and defending his recent album, saying that it's the best shit out there. No, he doesn't do that at all. It's just he lets people believe what they want, think what they want, uh, and he's above all that shit. And He's a legend, and he draws the numbers still because he's Ozzy the it. Well, the mm-hmm. same thing to, like, let's say pro wrestling, whereas, you know, if Kenny Omega... Uh, if you want to talk shit, I guess nowadays, I mean, you can maybe turn that into an angle or something, but I think that it's in a way it reeks of desperation because first of all, okay. You know, if you, if you have, let's say a certain amount of Twitter followers or let's say a certain amount of Instagram followers or whatever, and the guy next to you has double your numbers or triple your numbers. And it's like, you become all of a sudden, you know, you're jealous of them. You're going to do whatever you can to get your numbers up. Mm-hmm. And I i guess that's the world that we live in, that people are so petty because of the shit. That, uh, you know, they somehow think that life is the same as social media and that, that, uh, you know, it, I just think it's, it's ridiculous. But anyway, uh, that said, I think that Kenny Omega could, he could maybe choose his battles more wisely. It's like, uh, be careful. Uh, what was the word? I think it was Jim Cornette, or who, who was it said that that kind of something to the effect of choose wisely the words that you expel upon the the hill upon which you will die upon.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah.
1: You know, yeah, I totally pro, get it. Yeah, you know, and pro wrestling is the hill that we shall all die upon if we choose to be a part of this game one day. You know, and the thing is that it, what do you want to be remembered as? You know, how do you want to be remembered? And like I said, you know, once again, I could talk shit about a lot of people in this business that have tried to, like, trump me and tried to uh, to to disparage me and uh, do do ill to me. But, you know, by the same token, it's like I just believe in the law of karma. And it's like they're going to get theirs. As, you know, it's like the it's like a cancer cell that once, you know, once they activated themselves by being stupid and being juvenile, they activate their own cancer cell. I don't have to do a damn thing about it, man i hear you i and mean the way that, that i yeah sorry then, yeah yeah and once that once that starts to fester and spread it's like you know the the people around them are going to feel that they're going to be like oh shit i don't want to be around this and then it's like you know what Without me having to do a damn thing they've done it to themselves
0: there you go yeah i mean the the way that i see it at least uh, and hope that it is in the vein of that um the way that they have this Kenny Omega character kind of going at the moment is that he's kind of spiraling down and he's losing and he's, uh, at least, um, the character of Omega's kind of also, uh, losing his marbles a tiny bit as in like, he's getting really frustrated and pissed and, you know, w- the way that they've got it going on in the storyline, at least. So I have this, hope at least, uh, that it's very much of a, you know, attempt at this k Fabe idea where he's, uh, you know, extending the character a little bit beyond. And, uh, I would appreciate, I, I think I would appreciate it a lot if it was kind of, you know, played into that kind of role, because what I really liked, uh, I guess in a s- small segue is that, um, I don't know. Did you watch the little footage of Goldberg getting into a little scuffle with uh, Dolph Ziggler at some kind of dinner thing? I saw that. And um, I thought that that was. I mean, everybody, I guess, kind of realizes that it's you know, do like a little bit of a work, whatever you call it. And uh, um, but I, I think also a lot of people like appreciated that kind of thing because it is it's kind of funny that it's a little bit, quite a bit old school with these days with people, you know, saying, I'm sorry for breaking your nose in the ring there and whatever, breaking the character constantly and all that. And then here's two guys getting into a fight at some, some fancy dinner or whatever. And I thought it was, I thought it's good. I like that they, you know, can kind of bring that back. You, even though everybody basically off you know, they obviously see it as, as what it is, but, um, still, you know, for people who aren't so, so smart, they might, uh, it might work them just, just enough, you know? So I like that kind of stuff. I like when guys do that and and they extend things outside of the ring. So, but either way, I don't know. What did you think about that? Did you think it was ridiculous or kind of decent thing?
4: I mean, I'm all for protecting K-Babe, that's for sure. I mean, the thing is that unless you have this veil of witnesses to what do you do, unless there's some reasonable margin of doubt, like uh, as for like you can suspend your disbelief, but it's like watching a movie, you know. I remember this story where Jim Ross was telling: uh, that this old manager goes, Yeah, for it. It's gym. But uh, anyway, that uh, his wife, his, his, Skander his wife, was watching the Miss America pageant or whatever, the Miss Universe. And, then, you know, uh, Akbar says to his wife, you know, it's a work, right? You know, it's so great. And she said, Jew, I mean, just please let me sit back and enjoy something for once in uh, You know, you, because you want to believe in something. You know what I mean? You want to suspend your disbelief or whatever, even though, you know, the whole thing might be scripted from beginning to end. But. Want to want to lose yourself in the moment, and that's where you know if, if you bring that back to pro wrestling, I'm just so nauseous, and so I'm so tired of these quote unquote pro wrestlers nowadays going out there posting pictures with their opponents in the evening on social media, you know, with their hands around each other's shoulders, and it's like big smiles on their faces, and they're congratulating each other, thanking each other for the match, and all this horse shit. I'll tell you what. I have never, to my recollection, ever posted a picture of myself and an opponent after a match uh, in any friendly manner, shape, or form. It's just, it's, it goes without question that you protect the business which you are in. If you've chosen to be in the business, you protect it and you, you, you keep it holy. It's like something that you have to understand. that you can't give it away, you cannot process it. Because once you
0: give it away, you can't take it back. Yeah, that's that's hundred percent true. And I think it's um, it's a lesson that a lot of people these days definitely could could learn from. And uh, it's interesting as well that they, um, I guess, that if if they actually do the work to become a professional wrestler, and then they they don't actually realize that the one of the most important things has to do as as ridiculous maybe as some people think that the one of the most important things uh is like kayfabe. And I think to me at least growing up and and um you know understanding uh at least as a as a child, you know, pro wrestling from that kind of angle, it was basically all about you know, um <clears throat> suspension of disbelief and um and that made me really want to watch and really really want to even though that there was that um you know part of me that, that realized what was actually going on. But you know, it was very easy to ignore it when when those guys, like you know, reading those those books, let me say Bret Hart's book or whatever that he misses his ride to the uh to the venue and the only guy going is the heel, the big heel. And, uh, he can't be seen or caught dead basically with with the heels he rides in the trunk, you know, and, and, uh, these guys who put a lot of effort into the whole, you can't be seen with somebody who you're, who you're supposed to not be, I guess, in good relations, uh, in the storyline and, and so on and so forth. But I just, um, I really appreciate that. And I think that that's part of the extra mile part of the, um, part of the, would you call it art form or whatever that, uh, that allows people to truly uh, spend their, their beliefs on the, the whole idea, whether or not it's real. I'm all always down and uh, down for that kind of idea. But um, nonetheless, I guess uh, we had a WWE pay-per-view this clash of champions and it's not one of their major ones, I guess, but uh, I, at least for the most part, it seemed to be well-received, yeah. and um, I guess this is, uh, oh, the main event, I guess, was this Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton, was that right? Yeah, and, um, or what do I have here on this list? Was, but,
4: big, you know, by the same token, you know, there's one match on this pay-per-view that was, uh a non-title match. The whole gimmick of this pay-per-view is every title is evidence Yeah, that's right. That's all fine and dead. But of course, you got to get Roman Reigns on the card because he's Vince's chosen one. He's going to be Vince's next John Cena for better or for worse. And, uh, well, the thing is, so, you know, you put him out there, you give him a storyline, you, you know, a profile match. And, well, that was the only one that was in a title match. Yeah, Clash of Champions largely, I guess, what would be the word? Largely there. Mm. Not largely forgettable, but largely there. And I guess what they're going to do now is they're going to be turning Charlotte player base. Because the thing is that I get this, uh, this feeling off this pay per view now. So they put uh, Charlotte as a heel, still as a heel now, up against um, Bailey. They just turn heel, which I think the, the turn was done really well by. And when, when Sasha Banks came back and then and uh then during that one one day, well I think it was no, was it, sorry, uh, it was in sorry. Uh SmackDown. They turned Bailey you know, all of a sudden too she started beating Let and Tara at the man, Becky Lynch. Uh so that that'd be blah, sorry. Anyway, um but now they so they had Charlotte go up against Bailey on this pay per view. And otherwise they had Charlotte eat Bailey alive, except for finish Bailey pulling off this bottom turnbuckle, the leading, and the, uh, the turnbuckle of the ring, and then both ropes exposed so that uh, she ran Charlotte's head into that exposed turnbuckle as uh, Charlotte was trying to pick Bailey up off of that quarter, which was pretty really poorly done because the thing is that it was just a, a real, I guess, miscue or whatever, but it was it looked really neat in the finish, but it. Progresses the story now that I think you know, Charlotte is going to be turning face and a rematch. of the first. I'm sure mm. that Charlotte the uh, the, the woman's champion so many times in her career that she's going to eclipse the title reigns of her father-rate player over time. As the Women's champion, she will be the most celebrated female wrestler in history to date before her career is done. Anyway, um,
0: yeah.
4: but on this on this pay-per-view this the Splash of Champions, you were saying a second, about, a second ago about uh, Randy Orton. Yeah. Somebody's, like, for all of the four-star opponents that this guy has been put up against over the, uh, over the years, it's, it's Randy Orton consistently gets three-star matches out of four-star opponents. It's like Randy just can't... I think the last pretty really great match that I remember Randy Orton having years ago at Wrestlemania against Seth Rollins on the underground, right when they turned Randy base and uh, Rollins was still healed that faction uh, that was a, like one of the best matches I ever saw with Randy Orton but like consistently, that the Randy Orton has been like I don't know his matches. he's good at what he does I mean, his body language all of his gait his presence everything but this match with uh, Colby Kingston and the feud and everything, I just don't feel it. I'm not feeling it. And yeah. somehow, Randy Horton, he's so, like, you know, they used to say that Brett Hart's repetitive. were that, you know, Brett always had the same match, so did Rick Flair, he always had the same match. But, man, so does Randy Orton. He always had the same damn match. Everybody. Feels the same at least. And, uh, that said, um, I guess now they're moving on to Randy Orton, next challenger for Colby
0: Kingston, because I just don't feel this, this is not going anywhere. Mm, I hear you.: it seem, seems like uh, they used up the whole idea that Randy Orton had kind of held back Colby Kingston and that really small program or whatever that they did there. I guess they just they just didn't produce what uh, everybody wanted to see so or it did anybody want to see it i don't know but uh definitely didn't produce anything any good tv there there was a few people saying it was a like a real slow burn uh you know kind of cerebral match or whatever but to me from what i saw it was just boring so um i don't know i, I don't think those guys have the chemistry that that they would want to have. So, you know, it did actually go over 20 minutes. Funny enough that it was the longest match on the show, but, uh, I don't know. I guess, I guess it's, uh, I I just think that they, they they don't have the chemistry there or, uh, or maybe the, the whole idea around. It's not big enough that it, it's not having enough weight, to be a main event or, or anything close to there. So, but,
4: uh, I think they just don't have the chemistry.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I heard at least, uh, and I, I didn't get to see it yet, but, uh, the Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks was the, uh, best match on the, uh, on the card. So what, uh, did you get to see that one? And what did you think of it?
4: Well, I saw the entire card. So, um, Was good, you know. I think that Zay was the best match. Okay, not quite. I think that the match that surprised me the most was by and far Seth Dollins against um Braun Strowman, and that was a surprise. I mean, I was really, really surprised, and it, it was so well done as far as the fact that Seth being okay quicker than Braun being smaller than Braun, Braun being the monster, blah, blah, blah. And then, especially the finish. Like, the fact that you had four curve stops in that match before Wallace and Strowman, finally. And it's just healing that finish and building for the finish. They did it so well. And the people bought it. And that said, um, I think that was the best match, to be honest. I think a close second was yeah, I, I would say Sasha and Becky Lynch, and mm. uh, I think they have potential there. I think I think there's uh, potential. But speaking of Sasha, I think they pumped back, they did this Money Night Raw segment where Bailey turned uh, heel. Sasha had that one outfit on. I thought that was for New Ring attire. Time. It, it looked just amazing. It looked like really, really good, and now she's back to her same Sasha Banks that she has in the face. I think they should have gone and, and tailored her the new look they brought her back, instead of just changing her hair color.
0: Yeah, well, um, I guess, you know, they, they do this uh, whatever weird fancy outfits for the pay-per-view or something like that, um, but uh, the the one thing that I would say, at least about the Strowman match, uh, that I thought, to me at least, it it I wanted it to come across a little bit more that Braun Strowman was was a uh, it was more. I wanted it to maybe I wanted it to more be more of a David versus Goliath, and I think that it it was there a little bit, but I it found like I kind of thought that Seth Rollins had too much of an easy time, and I I wanted it wanted him to be a little bit more desperate, but. But then again, that's that's really nitpick kind of situation. I know that he's not Rey Mysterio versus Braun Strowman. But, um, you know, I, I guess uh, they kind of bill, you know, bill it as like, you know, Seth Rollins is like a knight in, knight in shining armor versus a dragon or something, you know, and um, you'd think he would have a little bit harder time. The match was just under 11 minutes and, um, you know, I don't know. It. Uh, I think it was quite good uh, especially for this for this pay-per-view um, but uh, maybe wanted a little bit more of a I want a little bit more of the because I, I think it, by Braun losing clean to Seth Rollins in such an easy way I know it's not easy in that way, you know, four curb stumps and a pedigree or something like that at the end there, you know, really just slammed him in but um, I guess the fact that he was Able to take the, all those moves is is uh, all that punishment attest to how good he is, but or tough he is anyway. But seemed as though you know he's not actually that good. He's just really tough, and uh, is that is that the guy who's going to be the WWE you know Universal Champion at some point down the line? That you know that is just super tough dude or whatever. Kind of like Homer Simpson, you know, when he became a boxer. And he the only way that he won was just that he could take more punches than the rest of the guys and the guys would get tired and just pass out. And um you know, I don't I don't think you can bill Braun Strowman to be that, that kind of guy. But um Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's a nitpick thing and and it'll make sense on the line, but uh but you know the the one match I was actually disappointed with was that Shinsuke Nakamura versus the Miz. I thought that was, should have been better. And uh, the the best part of that match was just Sami Zayn being a being the I guess uh, manager of Nakamura now and being a little bit of an idiot by ringside or whatever, which uh, which I think he does plays the part quite well. So um, I think. A lot of people are kind of insinuating that you know this is pretty play by play WWE where, uh, Sami Zayn being injured and being the mouthpiece for Nakamura will eventually lead to a, to a match between Sami Zayn and Nak- Nakamura. So that hopefully will be good as well down the line. So I'm hoping hoping that that turns into that. So
4: hey, by the way, wasn't it uh, Sami Zayn? And had not, of course, first in a match.
0: I think it was. I think you're right about that. So, I mean, now, that's... The...
4: They, they, that one match, man, that was off the charts freaking awesome. But uh, that it. I mean, it's like, it seems like Sammy Fane on the main roster. He's kind of like, he's not big enough muscularity-wise more than his look is as marketable as, let's say, Seth Rollins or something. Whereas I don't ever see becoming, Zane uh, becoming you know, some man in WWE. I, I just don't see him ever achieving. He's always going to be mid-card to upper mid-card, but he's never going to be main event, in my opinion. Uh, he, might, he might dally there for a second. He might get put there for just like a, one storyline or something. He, he will not be there for an extended period of time. I, I just don't think that like I said, his, visage, his look is what the marketing powers he in New uh, York are, are looking.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, too I don't think, at least uh, in maybe in the near future, anyway, that he's going to be somebody who's um, like uh, in the main event for the the main title or anything like that. Uh, at least holding the strap anyway. But I, I do think he's, he's one of these like super solid guys that, um that if used correctly, can he's one of those guys who, who can be a good hand at creating stars. Um And I think that's kind of his legacy there where he, he's that workhorse. That's going to make everybody look like a million bucks. And, um, you know, that you can bounce off the guy really, really well. So, and maybe he understands that that's his role, you know? So, um, I'm sure, I'm sure he doesn't mind it as well. So coming from, you know, one of the biggest indie stars with El Generico and all that, and, um, uh, to, uh, you know, being quite a, quite a known and recognized name, um, whether or not he's got a, a title, but, um, it's it's pretty impressive. So, and he's been over here in in Finland, hasn't he? Did you guys bring him in for some kind of workshop and, and all that jazz back in the day? And uh, what did you think of the the New Day versus Revival tag team contest there?
4: Uh, Dash and Dawson. I think that the, the one thing that I've said it before, so I'll say it now again, is that uh, like for traditional tag team wrestling work, you need like one setup guy, you need the other guy to be the execution. And I think that with them, you've got two Vern Andersons, you've got two execution guys. Uh, whereas back in the day, with Brain Busters, Tully Blanchard's the set-up guy, and Martin was the execution guy. Um, so that's, like, nitpicking, I mean, like, to break down what tag team wrestling needs to be effective, to be, like, a cut above. But this match was not bad at all. It was, uh, they got the revival, or at least they were trying to get them over finish being that they they just zeroed in on um, Xavier Woods' leg and then they just had him submit so they put the revival over pretty strong and I guess in this way they're hoping that this win is going to establish the revival and it's funny because if you think back like even a half a year ago, you had the revival doing these jobs on Monday Night Raw in like two minutes for other teams so now they're, you know, now they're the tag champs. And, uh, well, let's hope they do something, like, with them, because the thing is that in WWE, tag team wrestling is just not a thing. Let's be honest. They have to the do. they've had these different teams, like Cesaro and Sheamus over the years now, and the past two or three years. But, like, even the Uso's, okay, they have some teams which are established but To be honest, Tag Team Wrestling is just not a featured item on the pay-per-views. And the best showcase example of this, that it's not a featured item, is WrestleMania. Mm. When is the last time you saw on WrestleMania that the Tag Team Championships were one of the main angles on the card? And when is the last time you remember that?
0: Yeah, I can't tell you off the top of my head, that's for sure.
4: That's it. Can't even remember. That's I can't remember either. And and like okay, the last time that I really remember WrestleMania two, it was the Dream Team.
0: Here you go. Yeah,
4: versus the British Bulldogs, and that was nineteen eighty six.
0: Yeah, and that was a hell of a match too. (laughs) So like pretty pretty wicked (laughs) names, you know that you got to reach all the way back back there for for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I like, like
4: just Did you see uh, the NXT Cardiff takeover? The pay per view that was on the same day as that last, uh, the last uh, AEW pay per view. Did you see the the the, uh, the actual show on the network?
0: I I didn't see the full show. I saw the highlights from it though.
4: Well, watch the girls' match: Tony Storm and Kaylee Ray. I know both <laughs> girls. You know, I I wrestled on, on cards with both of them before. Um. That was a great match for the girls. I mean, it was uh, the emotion above all. Like, the story, it was rather quickly thrown together as a story and them having history together and them being friends back in the day. It's, how many many best friends did you have turned enemies in this business? But anyway, um, that was a really good match. Uh, And then... Like the David versus Goliath, you were saying about Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins a moment ago, wish for more of the David versus Goliath. I think the reason you didn't get that was because Seth Rollins has gone beyond the stage where he can be the David character anymore in that, in like to that degree. I think that he's the Beast player now, you know what I mean?
2: So yeah.
4: He's at least in profiles, they built him up to the point where he cannot have that weakness anymore. So, uh, but the match where this David versus Goliath played itself out really well was NXT takeover Carden between Walter and Tyler Bates for forty-five minutes.
0: Oh yeah, totally. And I gotta definitely gotta check check that stuff out. I have like a laundry list of things, uh, and yeah. on here that, you know, well, I'm used to actually the funny thing that I was one of the say about too, is that, um, I'm, I've gotten used to, you know, picking choosing matches and, and events that, uh, I, I want to watch. And it's kind of <laughs> in a negative light that there's so much good wrestling right now that it's just, you get this like, uh, Laundry list, shopping list, full that you can never seem to like whittle away of what you need to watch. And I don't know how some of these people do it who you know just uh or somehow figure the time to watch. Let's say uh you know an AEW pay per view followed by the WWE main roster paper followed by the NXT takeover followed by the New Japan. You know this and that, and and all the impact, and this and I, where do you get the time for all these things? So you got to try to pick and choose these things, and um, even even then, it's just a huge huge lump list of of great stuff going on. So uh, just add it add it to the pile, I guess. But um, why don't we take our last break now, and uh, we'll come back and shoot some more at with you. After a word from our sponsors.
2: Skip is the oldest sports supplement brand out of Europe since the 1970s. Engineered by professors, doctors, and scientists at Sweden's leading medical university, Karolinska Institute, Skip products are pharmaceutical grade, meaning that they are the highest quality available on the market today, meaning they work. If you're after results, you wouldn't put low-octane gas in a turbocharged high-end sports car engine, would you? Neither would you put junk-quality supplements into your body as an athlete. All Skip products are first tested amongst top athletes to ensure their efficiency. Choose the best. Skip nutrition. That's skip.fi. S-K-I-P dot F-I.
3: Estrada Creative Helsinki, your brand and story with the strength of modern marketing. Social media gets your brand and message in your audience's hands, and your story with the boost of marketing and videography is your strongest means of persuasion. That's where Estrada Creative Helsinki gets involved. Check them out on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Estrada Creative Helsinki.
2: Marco Simonen offers photography and video production for business and marketing. In addition, editorial and portrait work welcome. For more, see marcosimonen.com. That's M A R K O S I M O N E N.com.
0: All right, and we're back in home stretch of this shoot and she at. thanks a lot for sticking with us again. We really appreciate you guys listening to us and uh definitely Please share and like and all the good things. Comment on the, our podcast and let people know that we exist. We've got an Instagram and a Facebook page and you're on Podbean and um possibly on other networks as well coming up soon. We're on Spotify and iTunes and all that all those places basically that you consume your podcasts generally you can find shooting the shizat so we talked today about clash of the champions wwe the nxt debut on the usa network and uh, a slew of other news and things going on we had uh, on the unfortunate news i guess uh, seems everything's turned out okay but hacksaw jim duggan your buddy there uh has um I guess had some major surgeries out of nowhere and we don't exactly know some kind of infection or whatnot that happened out of nowhere. And, and there he was, but given the big thumbs up, I'm sure if he could yell out the big, ho, oh, oh, that he would. And, um, but definitely wishing him a speedy recovery and hope everything's all good there. But, um, yeah.
4: Another, another name that's in the hospital now again, and I, I, I hate to say, but I think he's on his uh, last legs sports at the end of his life now. Superstar Billy Graham. He's been oh, here, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's one kid in the hospital. I, you know, the thing is, the Reaper has been busy, you know, at the plate. And, and it's like you don't wish for anyone to pass away, but we all do. And death is a part of life. And the only thing that you're guaranteed in this life is death. They say that death taxes but that's a lot of horseshit. But you may never grow old enough to pay taxes, so you'll figure here in Um and uh I think that even with great player now, like he's trying to sue WWE. Have you heard this?
0: just... Yeah, yeah.
4: over using the man as Becky Lynch's tagline. Well somebody should have sued Claire back in the day for using nature because That was Buddy Rogers tag <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well there you go.
4: I get the you know the impression as much as I love. He's
0: It's true i mean uh people can't <laughs> so far anyway you can't live forever so um uh, but it is always a, a tough thing to see you know a legend and a, and a hero to a lot of people while growing up um you know kind of having the the issues at, at any any stage in life but um so definitely wish all these guys superstar billy graham and and jim duggan there uh recovery and uh, or at least uh, some i guess comfort anyway but um i wanted to i guess close off today a little bit just to kind of uh picking away on i guess the um the hot t- subject at the moment but uh, maybe we'll do a full episode i guess coming up will be october 2nd which is the debut of aew and then that is when nxt will go two hours head to head uh, a, I guess USA Network versus TNT, and um, the uh, the numbers that came in from the USA Network debut of NXT um, was actually that they drew a one point one one point two million viewers at eight p.m. on Wednesday, and um, there was a specific demographic of half a million at least eighteen. 18 years to 49 years and so i mean that's a to me a little bit of a big i guess demographic but um but you know it, i guess shows that the young the young wrestling fans are watching nxt and um that it actually pulled a number of 1.2 million viewers uh i guess a lot of people are surprised happily surprised um, how do you feel about that kind of number? What did you expect it to do?
4: You know, I have no idea what to expect nowadays because I think that television is so splintered. I think that um, that because of all of the streaming services, because of all the Netflix and the HBOs and things like that, I think that people's human habits have really changed. I think that um, like people use different platforms, their entertainment now and it's like television is not the same now as it was five years ago it's not the same as it was 10 years ago it's, it's a constantly changing beast in a way that uh, it's very hard to predict what is going to be the thing that's going to work what's going to draw that's why i think the demographic is so large that 18 the to, 18 to 49 you say. yeah
0: yeah 18 to 49 five and a uh. I guess 553,000 viewers roughly in that 18 to 49 demographic.
4: Yeah, because usually, like, let's say back in the day, you know, back when WCW was up against uh, WWE, Nitro versus Squad, I mean, you can break down your demographics in much more distinct age categories, like, let's say, uh, 18 to 24 or whatever, you, know, you can do, you break it down that way. But I think because the entertainment field, and also because these, uh, Viewing habits of people and platforms, like I said, it changed so much. I think that's why your demographics are very different nowadays. That's why the uh, the uh, I'm just say how, how what would you call that? That would be like uh, the age.
0: Like in- the yeah, in- yeah, the age I
4: gap. It's much, much wider.
0: Yeah, and it's it's interesting that like you know half a million was 18 to 49, but you know. What where is the other where is the other half a million? Are they like over fifty, I guess, and under eighteen? But uh, can you really gauge uh, people who are watching under eighteen? And uh, I don't know. It, it's a bit of a. It's just such a huge, huge age group there. You know, from eighteen to fifty, basically. So, because um, that's a few generations, right? Right there, just about. So, but. Um, but I guess the big question, I mean, this is obviously, you know, a debut they, they've, uh, put in, this has been a talked about de- thing. So do you expect the numbers to kind of like drop down to like a normalized level? Um, and I, I guess after AEW debuts as well, I, I'm sure that for the month of October, there's going to be, you know, maybe inflated numbers, but, um, I guess, what do you expect the kind of split to be? Do you think people are going to be jumping back and forth in commercial breaks? Um, or, do you, you know, if something big happens on NXT, they'll hop over there and watch, and then something big happens on AEW, they'll hop over there and watch. I guess it's going to be interesting to see like, um, who's got the better numbers in what hour. I mean, this is all, you know, just interesting things. And um you know, I wonder I wonder where the numbers are going to lie because you wonder if NXT did not go to the USA Network and it was only AEW on Wednesday night, you know, and then what kind of audience would they draw? I guess basically draw the exact same numbers, uh, but only for themselves. So I, I see the, the strategic placement of NXT here basically trying to, you know, kind of suck out some of the, some of the ratings that AEW would have gotten their way.
4: Well, I think it's actually, what it boils down to is this. It boils down to whether or not they can create content that people want to see. And both shows have got to create lead race forces. They have to, like, whoever they choose to feature on top in these, like, crucial quarter-hour segments uh, that go head-to-head. So that's how television breaks down it's in case people don't know, uh, television breaks down into fifteen-minute segments, uh, which are your rating points, ratings points. In general. And um, if people are switching channels in that certain quarter hour, you're knowing. You gotta. You have to know that when they don't, they're not buying. what you're selling, they don't want to see what you have to present. So mm. that's the catch is going to lie. That when they put these names out there. They put a, you know, let's say they put Jericho head-to-head in that one quarter hour uh, in his segment, whether it's a promo, whether it's an angle, whether it's a match or whatever, up against, let's say, uh, Adam Cole. Which one do people want to see? Which one is going to be more engaging? Which one is going to be more entertaining? And that's where I think that uh, now comes the case of how well your television is breaking. What kind of writing team do you have? Uh, how much depth do your characters on each distinct show on AEW? Was it Wednesday Night Dynamite? That's what they're calling it now?
0: Yeah, okay. well, at least uh, AEW Dynamite. I don't know. They probably use the catchphrase Wednesday Night Dynamite, but it's just seems to be um, just AEW Dynamite on TNT kind of thing.
4: Okay, so, so really, uh, that's what it boils down to people want to see what you're presenting and are the characters themselves interesting enough to retain uh, demographics, to retain viewers? And like, let's say, just in closing here, off the top of your head, give me your top three to five wrestlers that you think are the most promising or the most engaging from NXT. Off the top of your head right now.
0: Yeah, I think it's Adam Cole, the Roderick Strong, Velveteen Dream, and uh, well, I mean, I guess Pete Dunne is probably more part of NXT, like the main NXT right now, instead of just the UK. But those are the guys, at least that that stick out to me. Uh, maybe Matt Riddle, I guess he's he's up there too. Oh, Gargano. Oh uh, well, yeah, I guess Gargano. I mean. Uh, I was I was never like a huge fan of his, but uh, you know I saw that he's over with the crowd and that, and I guess Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah, I mean th- these guys are are um, almost I almost consider them that they've moved on to the next in roster in a lot of ways, I guess, because they did do some work up there. But but yeah, I guess they are pretty NXT dudes. Okay, so let, let's say
4: AEW, give me your top five right there.
0: What you say? I'll yeah, well, you, you got of course Chris Jericho. Hangman Page, John Moxley, the Young Bucks, in the tag team, and Cody. There's, I guess, you technically five if you count the tag team. You know,
4: I'll, personally, I wouldn't put uh, Hangman Page there. I Like, just that's my own opinion. Because they, I don't think, yeah. right? I, I, th- I think, like, AEW's top five, in my opinion, just my personal opinion. I think, yeah. of course, Jared, I would say Cody. I would say, uh, Omega, because I think that Omega still does produce good wrestling patch, I think that it's, well, it's pretty spectacular, what she does. I would, uh, well, maybe the Young Bucks, then. Maybe, I mean, I, I think as wrestler though, I don't think that they, like, they don't catch my attention as personality. Uh, I think they're very well hyped, uh, like, on the internet. I think that people follow them. I think that they, they sell merchandise, yeah, but as personalities, I just don't feel them to decrease is mm. their piece so it's a bit of a tough problem so like these these are like the blocks that you're putting so these are the, the legos on one side versus the legos on the other side so it's going to come down and boil down to whether or not the creative team that writes that shit for tv is going to be able to write interesting enough stick for these guys and girls to be involved in that people are going to want to watch so, True. but it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to get in. And speaking of, uh, you know, whether or not it's interesting, what we did forget to mention this week is that Baron Corbin won the King of the Ring tournament, defeating to <laughs> Chad the Yeah, yeah. Now, it's King Corbin. Uh, and, well, okay, first of all, this King of the Ring has been on and off for the past few years. And it, it has not, like, retained its, how to say, its marquee value. And they bring it back once in a while when it suits the bill, when it fits like a storyline. But I don't understand what is the catch of Barrett Corbin. You can get, you can tell me just to speak, close off this week's episode, Ch- what is what's
0: special about Barrett Corbin? Well, I'll tell you one thing: the guy is forgettable. Um, I don't—I never have seen a match that I would that I would consider to be that great that he's been a part of. I'm—I'm uh, I'm not sold on the guy in in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I totally forgot that he had won King of the Ring because I, think, I think that I would have wanted to see somebody like you know Gable win it. It would have been much more exciting. Although I guess it didn't make much sense. He's not he's not big enough yet. But um, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't see any appeal there. And King Corbin it just is kind of ridiculous. And I I think it, the whole reason is just to piss people off. And WWE loves doing that. And sometimes i think they get the mistake of pissing people off in the wrong way you know the non wrestling way the actual that people are just annoyed but uh, but then again i guess it gets that emotional response and and you check that box off but i'm not a fan and uh you know i yeah uh, i don't know what what can you do
3: <laughs> it's not well, sold for me
4: yeah, yeah hopefully this week that has uh, raised some social responses you're on Once again, follow us on social media, or Instagram, or Facebook, or what have you on all the uh, different existing platforms, Spotify, iTunes, and whatnot, uh, It doesn't cost you anything just uh, for your support. We thank you. Of course, we appreciate it. Follow us and, uh, and you'll get some your regular updates about our new episodes every time they drop off. So once again, on the app myself and my co-host, to Brodum, thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for this week here on Shoot the Shazam, We will catch you in about seven days' time, once again.